this episode, Luke Shanley from Sky Sports joins us to give tips to aspiring athletes on how to deal with the media, as well as advice to aspiring reporters, journalists and presenters on how to land a job within this industry. Luke has a wealth of experience within the industry and is a well-liked figure by players and managers within the game. He's brought a lot of value to this podcast and I hope you all really enjoy it. Welcome guys to episode three of the What's In Motion podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be with one of my friends today, Luke Shanley from Sky Sports. Luke, how are you keeping? Very well, you? I'm excellent, I'm excellent. Just as you say, over the last couple of weeks, trying to stay staying, trying to keep on top of my fitness and keep the body active as much as possible. Have you been taking over? Uh, not been keeping fit, eating too much, um, <laughs> trying to get my head around various statements. So yeah, it's um, it's certainly been working the mind, put like that. Well, are you normally a fitness guy? I know you play fives almost every single week, um, but what, are you a gym goer? If you're watching this on video, do I look like a gym goer? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Um, I, uh, I play football twice a week, Sunday and Monday, and at 35 now, the knees and the joints are getting a wee bit too long in the tooth now. It's uh, taking me until about the Friday to recover and then play again on the Sunday, so struggling a wee bit. I think that's incredible. I've actually, a memory popped up in my Facebook today, and today is my debut for Party Thistle eight years ago, and today I'm actually going to have a ice bath because my legs are that sore from the amount of 5Ks that I've been doing. I never thought my fitness would be this bad eight years on from making my debut. Quite incredible. I couldn't run the length of myself now, <laughs> so uh, aye, it's, um, yeah, don't get old. Oh no, you said it. And even behind me, as you can see right now, I've had to put Jordan's strips up in the wall, as you can see from Iceland, Aberdeen. I've not got any of mine. <laughs> Well, that was a decent season at Park Thistle, was it not? Was it not a championship winning season? It was, it was a championship winning season, which that was a hard team to break into, but it was good to be involved in, good memories to look back on. So look, just diving into our podcast together, what we're looking to do is to give the listeners some valuable little nuggets to take away in terms of being an athlete and being in front of the camera, and also young, inspiring, either journalists, guys trying to get into media, broadcasters, whatever it might be, piece of advice that you can give them. So we're going to go into that a wee bit later. But first of all, for people that don't know Luke Shanley, can you just give us a little explanation of your role at Sky Sports, please? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a reporter at Sky Sports News, uh, and I've been doing that um, both as a freelance and then staff for 10 years now. Um, my first game was way back 2009-10, Motherwell 8, Flammer Tarry 1, so top what a debut that was. It was fantastic. And it certainly helped me break into the industry, being on nine times that night. Yep. Uh, and I'm also the trackside reporter for uh, the live games that Sky do for the in the SPFL and the Premiership and also the Scotland games as well. So yep. I get to you know, interview the players right after the game and the managers. So you're dealing with kind of raw emotions down in the tunnel um, and you're trying to get some answers about what's just happened uh, on the pitch. So... I kind of have a, a dual role in doing both Sky Sports News and the Sky Sports Live games. Well, what is your favourite part of your job? What do you, do you enjoy the most? Is it the actual camaraderie of the football industry or do you quite enjoy the actual reporting and on the scene, the buzz of being in front of the camera? Yeah, I wouldn't say the buzz of being in front of the camera. That's, it, it, it is nice, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe not when you've got 10 chins like I have now, but, you know, <laughs> it is nice. Um but I think just being involved in football, you know, a guy that 
you know, as I said earlier, I couldn't run the length of myself, you know, um, wasn't a great goalkeeper, uh, didn't make it, any, didn't get anywhere near making it, struggled to make the school team. But, uh, you know, just being involved in football, being involved in Scottish football as well, something that yeah. I really like, and being in the tunnel after a game, just being right in yeah. amongst it and uh, trying to get that first reaction is just is brilliant. It's great. It's a great feeling. I totally agree with that as well. Even just being involved in something you're so passionate about, like football. For myself, when I stopped playing football, I lost that buzz on a Saturday. And you're looking, you're seeing all your pals and boys you played with on Sky Sports News, their name popping up. And you're thinking, Jesus, where's my buzz went this weekend? And uh, that's where footballers end up going into bad habits and just going out and getting drinks and stuff like that and try to replace that buzz. But ever since we started the agency... Now I've got that buzz back of my boys are out on a Saturday, they're performing, you're looking out for them. For you leaving the bank when you were uh, younger and your first job to now being involved in something such a buzz must really give a bit more job satisfaction to yourself now. Um, absolutely. And, yeah. um, you know, I do pinch myself every day. And there are times where sometimes you think, you know, like anyone in a job, you go, oh, God, here we go again. It's another statement or it's something you're dealing with some issue fan misbehavior you know something really negative uh, but you do kind of live for the weekend and as you alluded to there I used to work in the bank and uh, you know then I started volunteering for four years on club television got into the radio was made redundant then got on at Sky and then progressed from there working there and you know I used to watch Sky I used to watch um, people on uh, like Ian Crocker uh, on Sky or listen to him doing the commentary, now I get to work with him. It is absolutely fantastic. And being involved is great, but you've got to remember you're not there as a fan or a you know a fanboy to, to kind of um, talk everyone up and uh, just be pals with football players. It's about doing the job. It's about getting reactions. It's about asking the pertinent questions that need to be asked. So, you know, that is important, and you've got to remember your role, you know. But I must admit, when I'm at a Scotland game, uh, you know, it's good when, you know, the team are winning and you can kind of clap and be happy and get away with being a bit biased. Will we ever see Luke Shanley on Super Saturday Saturdays for with the boys? If Jeff retires, will you be the man that steps in one day? What do you think? I don't really think presenting's my bag. I, I thought about <laughs> it. You know, I like uh, I like when, when I first started in club television, you did a, I did a bit of commentary and uh, reporting and whatnot and, and writing articles and things like that. But I really do like the job I'm in, and that's that's a really nice place to be. You're in the job you want to be in, and uh, you know it won't last forever. I know that, but uh, it's great being trackside reporter. I think that's where my strengths are, uh, and you do build up a rapport with the managers and the players, which helps that you know because. They, they know you, they have a, a confidence in you and you have a confidence within them. You know what you're going to get and Definitely. you can play it straight with them. And, and that is very important, building those relationships. Um, you know, but I don't think I'll be a presenter anytime soon. Um, you know, and Jeff, he's an institution now, isn't he? That's I'm exactly. happy just to appear on the show once in a while. Uh, but, uh, to be fair, like that is a, a buzz and I started as well. Jeff and the boys giving all the banter and stuff. That is a right good laugh. But just diving into things a wee bit deeper with you, Luke. For young athletes that might have came out of school, 15, 16 years old, aren't the most educated in the world because they've had to leave and focus on the football uh, full-time at a very young age. When a camera gets shoved in front of their face, it can be a daunting experience for them. Can you give us three tips and three little nuggets that young athletes can take away that when somebody like Luke Shanley comes up to interview them in the, on their debut, that they can have a bit of confidence in front of the camera and not make any mistakes? Yeah, I think you've got to be confident. These guys can go out on a football pitch and play in front of 
10, 15, 20,000, maybe even 60,000 fans uh, and be confident on the ball. So you've got to take that approach and that mindset, yep. you know, into an interview. Yeah, it, you know, you might get some tricky questions. I think uh, you, you've got to ask, you know, if, you, if you're asked uh, by your manager to make sure you mark this player or get him behind there and make a certain run, then don't be scared to ask the, the club media how they should approach it. You know, what, what should I say? What, what do I need to steer clear of? Because there's certain burning topics that, you know, might be asked after a game. You know, for example, if there was crowd trouble or if there was a, a red card or a penalty incident, it's my job to ask it. You know, that, that you'd be upfront in that. I will have to ask it. So you do have to be prepared. But you've got to enjoy it as well. You've got to embrace it by giving non-answers and, you know, looking a bit naive or a bit inexperienced. You know, it's tough. I think a good example is uh, Cochrane at Hearts when he scored against Celtic. We wanted him on. I think he was only uh, 17 at the time and he came on. He might even be actually 16. And he was very articulate, but he had uh, Christoph Berra beside him. So that, you know, um, you have a, a bit of help as well. And I think the clubs do try and protect the players. Sometimes maybe overprotect them. But I watched uh, Billy Gilmore, for example, doing an interview with uh, Jamie Redknapp during the week. Fantastic, articulates himself very well, embraces it, has a laugh, shows a bit of personality. Nothing wrong with showing a bit of personality. And, uh, you know, that helps as well. Don't be that sort of bland, uh, I'm not going to answer anything or I'm too scared to answer anything, you know. The thing about Harry Cochran that day uh, when we interviewed him after he scored against Celtic, we couldn't give him the man of the match champagne. He was too young, it would have been illegal. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, I actually watched an interview earlier on because as I was putting up these questions, I wanted to go and see because you've seen the Roy Keynes where they're doing their interviews and the whole room's just on standby thinking what's going on right now. And one that came up, I felt so bad from was young Aaron Hickey. And they came up and some lady asked him a question and it was something about it being slippy out there. And he's like, aye, aye, it was dead slippy. And then it all just stopped. Oh, it was a real shame. So hopefully the young boys listen to this, they can take a wee bit of confidence in what you're saying and just be themselves. Absolutely. I think uh, just showing that personality, embracing it as well. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you will get people that maybe just aren't that articulate and that's just the way it is, you know, but there's nothing wrong with practising. There's nothing wrong with, the, you know, the club giving you media training or an agency or somebody just to get confident, right? Especially if you're doing a, you know, after a game, more often than not, you're going to be asked about the game. So, you know, you should be able to do that. In a pre-match press conference, it might be some of the burning topics of the week and some controversial issues. You've got to expect that that will come up. You can't turn around to a press uh, person, you know, a person in the press and say, you can't ask about this. The minute you say you can't do something, usually the press get their back up, you know, and the broadcasters, it's the case of, all right, we'll see. And you want to ask that. I think uh, from a club point of view, they should say, right, what will they ask or what are they likely to ask and prepare their players, not just the young ones, any player, to be ready for that and, uh, you know, embrace it or spin it the way you want to spin it. Yep, 100%. On yourself, look... I, and your experiences of being in front of the camera, broadcast, not everything from uh, working with Sky Sports. What's been the biggest mistake that you've made in front of the camera or you've had to deal with in an incident that might have been over the transfer window, whatever it might have been? What has been that number one that sticks out straight away? Uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so any sort of small error, I, I really beat myself up about. Yeah. Um, 
and I think like players should, you know, you you know yourself, you're your own self-critic. You know if you've had a good game or not. You know if you've you've done, for example, in my my with me, I know if I've done a good live or not. You know, and if I've really sold something, if I've given it the oomph that I needed to, and I watch everything back. And that's not an ego thing. I watch everything back, but. Couple of stories. Uh, one, I was doing something outside Tincastle. It was an under twenties game, but it was really busy because Hearts wanted their fans to turn up, pay admission fees, and they were struggling financially at the time. They, they were looking to get some cash in, so I was doing this really important, you know, uh, live about you know the tax man looking for money and things like that. And all these fans sort of congregated behind me, and I could just feel them thinking, "Oh, here we go." All of a sudden, this fan jumped on the back and he was giving it 5-1 because after the, the recent cup final where they, they gubbed Hibs and, uh, you know, he was just, he, he wanted to jump on my back and make a name for himself. He's 15 minutes of fame and you kind of try and nudge him off and apologise for anything that was said or any offence given because we're governed by Ofcom rules and you've got to do that. And you've just got to be professional and sort of use it. But it's fair to say I was raging afterwards. But another one... <laughs> Uh, I'll need to send you the video of this one. Um, yeah, please. Recall. Um, it was uh, a St Mirren Hibs live game on Sky. I was doing it, uh, and Andy Walker and I are doing this pre-match live to build up to the game. Say, make sure you join in. And all of a sudden, the sprinklers went on, and Andy Walker it started hitting Andy. He ran away, leaving me ever the professional getting absolutely drenched. It was like being in the shower with my suit on. And there's me having to say, yeah, make sure you tune in at three o'clock on uh, Sky Sports 1 or whatever it was at the time. And uh, I thought, I'm going down with my ship here. I'm not bailing out. Um, but everyone else bailed out, ran away. And I made sure that I, I needed a towel, right enough. But ever since, every time I've gone back since then, I think it was about eight, nine years ago now, but every time I've gone back to um, St. Mirren since then, the groundsman's always like, uh, you doing any lives today? Is there any sprinklers on? Because he has this button that, Autumn, you know, presses the which part, which sprinklers need to go on in what section. I thought I'm He's still convinced up. it was him. I'm still convinced it was yeah. him, but uh, can never prove it. But he always has that wry smile, so I think it was. That's brilliant stuff. It really is. It's even when these things happen in front of the camera. It's just about improvising, isn't it? It's about just the show must go on. Stay focused on what you're doing and uh, and just dealing with it. Yeah, there's other things because people don't always realise we have to wear an earpiece to listen to, for example, when I'm doing a live game, I could have four different people talking in my ear while I'm trying to listen with the other ear to the, the person I'm, I'm interviewing. For Sky Sports News, it's, it's not as busy in your ear. It's not, you know, there's not as many people talking, but occasionally if you're trying to get the sound in, uh, to the studio, occasionally it doesn't always patch through correctly. One time, in my ear, I had um, feedback. So basically, I was saying, yeah, hello, welcome to Celtic Park. And I could just hear myself on an echo. Mm. So I'm trying to talk and think what I'm about to say next. Well, all I can hear is my in my ear is myself coming back. Oh, what nightmare. And again, that's when the professionalism kicks in. You've just got to get through it. But it's really tough, really difficult. Well, that is, isn't it? Even, you know, myself, we try to set that Zoom up at the start of the podcast. And then I'm saying, am I echoing? Da, 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 and you go back forth because if there's anything going on, it completely throws me off of what we're trying to do. So if you're trying to have an, an honest conversation and in an interview with a manager and you hear yourself batting on in the background, I can imagine that must have been so yeah. off-putting. Difficult, yeah. But again, when, when you do a live game, you have maybe four people in here, you might have your director who is talking to the presenters at the time while you're doing an interview or is putting in shots could be speaking to your producer who wants a certain piece of analysis put in. Aye. You could have, you'll have your 
PA who's counting you down because you're timed, you've only got so long doing these interviews before they have to go to a break or hand back to the studio. And, uh, you know, you might have something else, the programme, the actual programme that's going on. So you've got a lot to, to process while still trying to listen to Neil Lennon or Stephen Gerrard or whoever, Derek McInnes, telling you something. And you don't want to, they might say something that you need to pick up on. So it's just keeping your wits about you in, in those sort of situations. But you get used to it the more experienced you get. I never realised there was actually so much going on in your ear at the point that you're giving an interview because... I would struggle to concentrate on actually the conversation if somebody's in my ear telling me what to say because you want to get a feel for the conversation, their emotion and all these different aspects of the, the tunnel interview is completely different to a press conference. So for somebody to be telling you what to be asking the manager at that point, I can imagine it must be quite difficult. Yeah, it is. And sometimes uh, people are getting a rollick in other uh, departments, of, yep. uh, be it the, in the truck or in the... The presenters are, when I say a rollicking, they might just be getting them directed or produced, you know, and you're trying to do an interview and all you can hear is somebody shouting at somebody else. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's one of those ones whenever somebody's, you know, work experience or whatnot's joined me and you give them an earpiece to go, yeah, they don't realise how tough it is. You know, you're trying to, to, to talk to a manager on a serious point. So, you know, it is, um, it is key, but you have to keep your discipline because you might only have 50 seconds left and you need to be able to know when to wrap up the interview or when to keep going sort of thing. So, um, But it comes with experience, and um, oh, you actually get used to it, to be honest. Yeah. You do get used to it. But mm-hmm. if you're interviewing me just now and put your radio on while you're doing it and, and your headphones while you're trying to interview me, then you know, see how you get on sort no, of thing. Honestly, that, that I would struggle with that. Uh, look, I've never asked you this question before, uh, but... Everybody loves watching these Roy Keane videos of him absolute roasting presenters in press-off conferences. Uh, who else? Gordon Strachan has got a tongue that is electric. Jose Mourinho was always good value back in the days, a wee bit boring now. But who did you, one, enjoy, and two, actually find quite tough uh, to interview as, as a manager? Yeah, I, I always find the toughest managers are the ones that either A, weren't very articulate because so they would kind of stop abruptly or wouldn't give you much. Their content was very weak because, again, you're maybe listening to your uh, director or producer and then you have to be, you know, they, they stop abruptly and you're having to quickly um, go on um, and, and think up another question. Uh, also managers that maybe said a lot but told you nothing. <laughs> you, you need to try and jump in oh, and try and get... You know, yeah, exactly. You know, and they don't want to give you anything. And you, you always knew when you lost. And when I say lost, it's not a case of getting that killer line. It's just a case of getting something that's usable. You know, a lot of managers would say a lot and tell you nothing. And it's when to try and jump in. And you know, I tend not to interrupt them. But if they ramble on, you know, you might not have a lot of time. And sometimes they know that you've not got a lot of time as well. So they play to that. Um, and it's that sort of game, you could call it. Uh, and it's, again, it's a case of me jumping in and um, trying to get a question. I always like to try and ask open questions so they can't give you a yes-no answer, but sometimes when they don't want to answer anything, you do have to ask a, a yes-no question because you know, you know you're not going to get out of it. And they, they don't like that because they like to ramble on and tell you nothing. So yeah. um, You mentioned Gordon Strachan. I, I actually really enjoyed uh, the sparring that I had with Gordon Strachan. I actually got on quite well with Gordon, and uh, that wasn't the case of don't ask them anything controversial or let them away with it, but when the question was there to be asked, it was asked. And um, you know, occasionally I got, you know, not the answer back that I expected. But then again, what do you expect with uh, Gordon? 
But I, I got on well with him, and I think he said later on that there were certain people that he gave more to because they approached it the right way, and I was one of them. Um, and I just always felt that there was no point in trying to catch Gordon out because you would never do it. Just ask him up front and be up front about it, you know, and, and, and add a bit of humour in there as well. For example, in his last game, I said, is that you, Gordon? Will you, will you have, you know, do you want to stay on sort of thing? And he rambled on and, and didn't give me the answer that time. You know, he tried to get round it and, uh, and I just said with a smile on my face and because I knew that getting on with him, he, he probably wouldn't uh, give me a slap. I said, um, is that a maybe then? And he, he laughed and he said, oh, I thought I'd rambled on enough, Luke, and you'd run out of time. But uh, he said, it's probably not the right time to, to answer that question. And that's fair enough. That's all you want, you know. You've asked the question, you've, you've had a bit of banter and, you know, I always found um, you know Gordon quite good to deal with, and actually when he left, I, I kind of missed that because you never know what to, you never knew what to expect. So you had to be on your toes. Um, but in terms of managers nowadays, you know Neil Lennon and Stephen Gerrard are good because more often than not, you ask them a question, you'll get an answer and an honest answer and a passionate answer. And I think I think that's what the fans want to hear. You know, they don't want to hear a manager rambling on and not ask, answering a question. They probably want to see the the trackside reporter getting a slap now and again. Um, <laughs> Stephen Gerrard's always good for the odd one-word answer to keep you on your toes. But as long as you're prepared and you know what to expect, and Neil Lennon again, you never know what, what's going to uh, what he's going to say. So I, I do enjoy doing those two, and I do those two more often than not because they're the type of games that we cover. So I actually feel quite sorry for managers sometimes because I just feel as when they're getting interviews and it's getting published all over the Daily Record, the Sun, Sky Sports, whatever it is, no matter what they say, sometimes they can't win if they're too honest about maybe the players never performed. Like, Gerard actually felt got it this year. I always find that he's quite honest in front of the cameras and doing his reports. And he, at the start, was backing up his players. And then everybody's seen that the players were chucking him under the bus, that they weren't performing. So he called them out and says the boys haven't got the heart to go and win the title, whatever it might have been that he said. And because he was honest, everybody then turns on him again. So sometimes you feel as though, how can you work the media? How honest can you really be? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, th- I think that's bad. It's a good analysis. Uh, I recall the game at Hearts, uh, not yeah. the cup game, the league game at the start of the year when he lost. And he was very honest with me saying he didn't recognise his players, you know, and he, he was good. And then he went into the press conference afterwards, which I, I went to listen to just, you know, out of interest. And, you know, they went further and they said, did your players bottle it? Have they got the bottle to win the title, etc.? And he, he said... The way I'm feeling just now, probably not, but you know that will change as I go on. You know, I think he was just feeling low at that point, but he was honest. But then after that, you're right. People question him, saying, "Well, you just chuck your players under the bus." I think what what did the fans want to hear? If you're a fan of whatever club and you know your team has not performed, what do you want to hear? You know, exactly. I'm exactly. sure that you would want to to hear your manager being honest. What's the point of sugarcoating it when you know it was there for everyone to see? So I always respect managers that. They give you that sort of, you know, answer, um, you know, and, and show a bit of passion because, you know, ultimately, you know, that's what you want. Massively, you don't want somebody just turning a blind eye to performances. Like, you need something just calling them out. Um, but look, on the player side, obviously the players are in front of the cameras, left, right and centre, maybe Monday to Sunday doing interviews of all these different broadcasters and stuff and magazines, whatever it might be, on your experiences, Who's the funniest player that you've came across that you have to give interviews for? Quite easy, that one. Jason Cummings, by far. <laughs> uh, I did uh, The first time he was interviewed in a live game, uh, he scored twice against Hamilton in the playoffs. I think Hibs thought they were safe that night and 
Trippard were. They got relegated after the second leg on penalties, of which Cummings missed uh, in the shootout. But you, uh, we got him after the game. He'd scored a cracker that night and fizzed about and went in the top corner, caught the goalkeeper out. So he's standing there with Liam Craig, the club captain, so a sensible head. I didn't know the kid. I didn't know what to expect. I don't think anyone did, if you went to the Hibs. And all of a sudden, it's, um, yeah, so talk us through your goal, something simple as that. Yeah, I just opened up a tin of beans and put some zing on it. And I'm thinking, right, well, I think at that point I was in my late 20s, I'm thinking... (laughs) Right, I'm not down with the kids here. I don't know what he's talking about. I look at Liam Gregg. He's looking back at me blank, going, nah, not a clue. And I think Jason got a bit pelters for that. But then what do you want? A bland player that gives you nothing, you know? And he got a lot of stick. People saying, oh, he needs to be brought down a peg or two. But that's his personality. And fair enough, he wanted to show his personality. So good on him. As I say, it didn't work out for the second leg. But, you know, that wasn't the, the only one. And... I always found with Jason, he was actually quite willing to do stuff. You know, I found an old piece that I did with him ahead of a Hibs Rangers game the day before. I just needed him to look, turn from his head from one side to the other so I could merge it in with the old footage that I had of an old Hibs player, Laurie Riley. Um, and just, he was always quite up for it. He was always open to doing things and not necessarily the, the wacky daft stuff. I had him interviewing his brother ahead of a Scottish Cup game before uh, Lothian Thistle Hutchison Dale played and you could see his demeanour change then. He got a bit more nervous than he normally does. The bravado uh, sort of had uh, left him at that point. But I always found him very, very uh, good to deal with. And, and I like that. And you, again, another one you had to be on your toes for. Definitely. You next. 100%. I actually think that we could do with more personalities in Scottish football, like Jason Cummins. Obviously, you've seen the, the video with Grado. That was just absolutely brilliant. Then he's like jumping in behind the cameras down in Shrewsbury and stuff like that. I think it's absolutely hilarious. And that's what people relate to that. People enjoy the funny side of it rather than just a bland personality that's given, as you say, answers that don't really answer anything. I think boys like Jason Cummins and that, as long as it doesn't affect the football, if you can get personalities like that in the game, then it's, it's great for everybody. Yeah, I think clubs want to protect players that maybe want to have a laugh and a joke too much or young players that they don't want to put out to the media too early because, you know, they might try and get something about transfers or do you want to be the next, you know, Pelly or whoever, you know. Um, so th- there is a protection and, and that's right to do that. But on the flip side, if you want to sell your club and sell the league, you've got to be proactive as well. And if they're the, the men of the moment, I always remember three or four times with Dundee United trying to do a feature with Andy Robertson, Ryan Gold and John Souter at the time, all promising players. And I wanted to do it in their flat in Dundee, away from the training ground and the stadium and whatnot. And I think rightly probably Dundee knocked it back the first couple of times. He wanted to let things move on and let them develop out the sort of attention. And then when it came down to it, they said yes. And it was a great feature. Really, really good. Uh, Really enjoyable and uh, great personality. They were playing pool. They were playing FIFA. They were winding each other up and uh, spoke very well and sold themselves very well. They've all gone on and moved on, got big moves. So, you know, um, that, that was really good. But that was a good example of being able to sell yourself up not Definitely. necessarily in a laughy, jokey way, just being able to sell yourself, being articulate, and also showing a bit of personality. I think that, I remember the feature very, very well. Um, I think that actually probably worked for everybody, for Dundee United, for Sky Sports, and the players as well. Um, because if we're able to push the boys in front of the cameras and build their profiles as well, then it's only going to help them. It really is. And you would encourage more of it. 
Yeah, I would. I would encourage more of it. And again, it's about your relationship with the clubs and, and the trust because there needs to be a trust. I, I totally yep. get that from a club point of view. They want to be able to trust you. And, you know, for example, my colleague Charles and I have been doing it long enough. I think they know where we are. You know, if you're, you're going to, you know, and also there has to be, a, you have to be morally right. You don't want to do in any sort of young player or whatnot. You need them to be confident because the last thing you want, and, you know, there, there are a few examples in the past. I won't name anyone, but you know, some players that have maybe been spooked by it or have not been properly trained or have had a bad experience and it puts them off and it puts them off for a long time. There's that suspicion, you know. But from another point of view, I've also saw there was a good example once uh, from a club that there was a player that there was a transfer issue and usually the thing, with any, I think he'd put in a transfer request this player and usually the, the club would say, no, we don't want anyone to speak to him. We have to keep him away from the press. And the head coach at that time went, no, put him up. Put him up, let's see what he says. Because if he turns around and says he wants to go, then we've got an alibi for selling them because he wants yep. to go. If he turns around and says he wants to stay, and then great, he wants to stay. And if he turns around and says he wants to stay and he goes, then it's all on the player, the clubber. And I thought that's a good way to approach it. That's it's different because you might have to take the short-term hit. But but let me ask you a question, Brad. If you're a club or a player and you've got you you're in the you're in the press ten times in one week. What would you consider an acceptable amount of positive coverage before you think it's worthwhile doing it? Out of 10, what would you say? So if we get 60, 70% of good pieces of content of out of 10, then I'd be delighted with that because it's, it's great value for everybody. It really is. I, I agree. I yep. think six or seven good pieces. I think the problem is sometimes, and of course it depends what it is, but we probably focus too much on three or four negatives rather than basing the six times you've sold your product, your player, your club, the company, the league, yeah. um, whatever. And I think that that's that's where we need to start embracing those six rather than worry about those four. Because the negativity sells. Is that the biggest thing that people want to see? And maybe some screw-ups or all these different things that it's negativity sells more than positivity. That's why the news is just filled with negative stuff. Maybe, maybe it is, but then let's be proactive and work on the positives then. If you know that there's a potential negative, let's think about what the positives are and try and sell that. Try and get your message out the way you want to do it, you know, Definitely. and then that, that's the challenge, you know. Before, because before ultimately, I'm... my job, if there's a story there or a question there to be asked, you've got to ask it, Definitely. you know. So, and if that's a negative one, then, you know, we're not there to to kind of stroke egos or massage egos. We're there to, you know, try and get what, what the news agenda is of that day. Thinking selfishly uh, about the question you've answered, I uh, sorry asked there. If an agency is able to get sixty to seventy percent of ten pieces of content going out on a weekly basis for the players, then that's massive because the the coverage that Sky Sports have, not even just in the UK, across the world, is huge. So people should be latching onto it as much as possible rather than trying to shun the door. Yeah, I think so. And it was interesting with uh, like the Hibs or now Aberdeen who have got either American owners or American-based owners. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were trying to say to them, well, listen, four o'clock, I'm not too sure just now, but I think um, because of the, the COVID uh, situation, but four o'clock in uh, the UK, our four o'clock, that uh, hour of Sky Sports News goes out in NBC in America because um, we're owned by the same company. And uh, you're saying, you know, and, and Hibs actually were embracing that, saying, yeah, let's come and do the player live at four o'clock. Not a great time of the day, but 
Yeah, because you know our owner is over there, and that helps sell the club over there, you know, because you're going to see it on NBC over in America. So oh, that's there is a big platform. So you know, you just got to think outside the box. A hundred percent. Um, and look for people looking to get into the media industry. I, you know yourself that people my age and a wee bit younger, the patience isn't really there anymore. Everybody's, I think that's got a lot to do with social media as well. You see somebody they went to school with driving about in fancy cars, going on holidays, you think, like, I want that now. So the patience levels, I think, has changed these days. People coming out of uni wanting big jobs straight away. If somebody's trying to step into the media industry, can you give us three pieces of advice that you would give to them on how to get into the media industry and maybe in building relationships, all these different things? Yeah, building relationships is key. But I think, firstly, the, the thing I would, and I came about a different way. Um, you know, we touched on it. I worked in a bank. I didn't go do a, a journalism course at uni. I went to uni, but not to do that. Uh, and ended up working in a bank. But one thing that was key for me is experience. Get work experience. Get practical experience. I worked, I volunteered, didn't get paid for club TV, for a club, my local club, for four years. Within that four years, I got gigs on the radio. Very, you know, just doing games and whatnot. You were lucky if you were getting petrol money. It wasn't about the money. That experience was invaluable because I was able to meet other journalists. Some of them took me under their wing. I was able to get contacts. I knew how the press conference works. You can sit in a classroom and have the bit of paper, but until you know what it's about out and about, in Scotland, in particularly, then you know you don't you don't know what it's all about. You have to get out and about, get the work experience first and foremost. Be willing to work for free. Be willing to go and speak to to people and seek advice. But work, you know, when I say work for free, don't let people take advantage of you because they will trust me. Um, but that work experience is is really really vital. You know, it's like a like a player going out on loan or something or starting off, you know, uh, you could play all the youth games you want, but I tell you, you know, what first team football is like, then, you know, that that's when you get the, the harsh learning curve. So if you have to go out on loan, that's what to do. And I, I started in radio and I, I it was such a good grounding amongst really experienced people that were willing to show me the way. So that is key. And set your expectation level. I mean, if you had said to me at the start, when I started on Club TV, what do I want to do? Well, I'd probably be doing what I'm doing now. So I've been able to achieve that. Not everyone can, or not everyone can quickly, but you've got to you've got to have that ambition. Have the ambition 100%. You've got to have that because there's no point otherwise. But you have to temper your expectations. You've got to be patient. People come out of uni with a bit of paper and think, right, I should be presenting on Sky or BT or BBC now. Yep. It's not going to work like that. Get the experience. Take advice. Sometimes I think millennials don't want to take advice, but maybe that's just me being an old fuddy-duddy nowadays. Uh, but take advice, get experience, you know, and um, just keep working hard, you know, and don't be lazy. Don't expect it to come to you, you know. 100%. Uh, and that's it. And maybe it was a bit different for me because I started in a bank. The last thing I wanted to be doing was working in a bank. Was, you know, I lived for the weekend yep. um, and, and pushed myself to get out of that, you know, and I have, and it's great. So it's just um, being that. But be creative. I think the benefit now, if you're young and coming through and you come out of uni, is that you will have skills in terms of being able, being a video journalist now, being able to film yourself, being able to edit. You've got a bigger skill set when you come out, and that is key. That's important as well. And it's for people like me and my colleagues of a similar age who are maybe catching up a bit on that now. So there is an advantage 
coming think, through now, you know, so, you know, they've got to use that advantage. And also, we don't know how the industry is going to change. With I've been in it 10 years now at Sky, and it's changed so much technology-wise. This COVID situation, we're talking on Zoom just now, you know, and we're doing a lot more of our interviews on that as well. So this is a perfect time for footballers wanting to get into the media and youngsters. There's so many podcasts about, so many different interviews, and, you know, you do see people being creative. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I totally agree with you, especially on the first bit, and people might think, I can't work for free, I know my value and all this. It's absolute nonsense. When you're starting out, the main thing is to internship somewhere and just go in and work. I remember the uh, CEO at Motherwell, Alan Burrows. I'm sure Alan started off at Motherwell just as a fan. and messaged in saying, you're going on a pre-season tour. I'll come with you. I'll record the whole thing. I'll interview the players. I'll blog, all this different stuff. And I'm sure it was Mark McGee said, Aye, why don't you come along? It went away for maybe, I don't know, two weeks to Lithuania, I say it was. And after the two weeks, they thought, this guy's really good. That then landed him a job as in charge of the media and liaison with your, yourself and stuff. And then before you know it, he's the chief executive of Motherwell Football Club. Now, that's an extreme story, but it just shows you to put yourself in there, to offer value to somebody, not looking to monetize it straight away, and you never know what might happen. Yeah, and Alan's a good story. He's on the SPFL board. He's probably wishing he wasn't just now, the way <laughs> things are going. But, uh, you know, he's been able to, to do that very well. I think he became, after the uh, looking after the press, he became general manager, then chief operating officer, then chief executive. So he's Amazing. been on that journey. Knows the club inside out. Passionate Motherwell fan. Uh, you still see that when, when you're at a game, you know, and that, that's probably key as well. But I think, you know, his heart's in the right place in terms of what the club does. But it's a great example, you know, of what to yes. do. Yep. Um, you know, getting in there and you say, you know, working for free, what was more valuable to me, the experience or getting, you know, 20, 30 quid for doing a radio gig or what Club TV might have paid, which they didn't. But I always felt the value was in the experience. Yeah, and I was lucky because I had a full-time job anyway, so you could do it at the weekends or midweek at night doing reserve games as I did. You know, I, I didn't get... First team games right away when I volunteered. I did reserve games for a year and a half, two years. So you've got to put your, your research in. But that was great because you do the reserve games, you make all your mistakes. You're you know, you're not, you know, you get used to making mistakes. You could do you have to do a lot more research to research reserve team players and whatnot, putting the hard work so you know what the graft's all about, you know. And that, you know, sometimes it's for me I found that. Getting there was actually the easy part. It's to stay in there and making sure that you're still the, the main guy is, is just as tough, if not tougher. So, I think that even as a footballer, getting in full-time, I'm telling you, it's easy. Getting Being a full-time footballer is easy if you stick with it, get the good technique, good ability, and you've grown up with that club and stuff like that. It's easy getting full-time. It's bloody hard staying there. That is the hardest part, especially an 18, 19-year-old boy trying to get into a first team. It's getting your foot in the door, I honestly think is easy enough. It's just been able to stay there. And the same as the likes of Sky Sports and all these different broadcasters, I can imagine it's quite ruthless sometimes with, with staff and then people are looking to, they're always looking to see if they can get somebody better than you in. It's the same as football, always looking to see, can we get a better right back? Can we get a better centre mid? Have you experienced that yourself? Yeah, well, I don't know how I'm still on the job in eight years. <laughs> to to then, you know, if they can't find anyone better than me. But no, seriously, yeah. 
I think you do need to keep yourself relevant. You do. I think the easiest thing, and, and have I done it? Yeah, I've turned up at games where I've not done as much research as I should have. You just think, ah, oh, I was at their game last week and whatnot. And then you got a wee wake-up call going, oh, who's that guy again? So I, I tend to go to a lot of games when I'm not working. You know, on a, if, if I've got a live game on a Sunday and I'm off on a Saturday, I'll go to a game on a Saturday, maybe to watch my team. But the benefit is you're going to see a team that you're going to have coming up soon enough anyway, or you'll go to another game, you know. I mean, just a few months ago now, um, you know, I went to Hearts Hamilton. Wasn't doing anything. I was actually travelling up to Aberdeen to go to uh, a game. Uh, it was Aberdeen uh, Celtic event we are doing. But I just wanted to go and see because I knew the relegation thing would become an issue and I wanted to go and watch a couple of clubs that I hadn't watched as much this season. So, you know, you've got to put in the graft in that respect. But, you know, you tell me, uh, Brad, when, you know, when you have that bump in the road, when you don't make it, you know, it's trying to renew yourself, be it as a player or in other industries. And sometimes that can be tough as well, you know. I mean, I had a lot of knockbacks as well, you know. I've been used to it. This face does get a lot of knockbacks, you know. (laughs) Well, um, but you do I, have to keep going, you know. Yeah, you totally. have to keep going. As I was saying at the start of the podcast, like I made my debut eight years ago. And after I've made my debut and I go in and sit with your mum and dad and you go, how do you think that was? And I was like, I've got nothing to fear now. Twelve months later, I'm a free agent. I've already been papped out of the club. And if I'd said that whilst making my debut, I'd have laughed you out the room thinking, no, that's me. I'm going to go kick on now. You've got to be able to, one, have a, a bit of bounce back ability, be able to actually believe in yourself and improve the doubters wrong. But for me, being flexible as well, not just chasing one job, chasing like a, a goal that's not tied to any company, that you can't just chase a company and the company turn around and go, right, there's no job for you here. And all of a sudden, you've got no other options. You've got to have a goal that you want to try and achieve and chase that rather than an organisation. So for me, young footballers have got to be looking into education, maybe trades, whatever they want to do, because they're finished up at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock every day. Got to have something on the side, even coaching. Coaching with us in the evening, that's a wee plug in, try to get some new coaches in there. But for me, it can't just be when they get out a contract, that you're going to see it now in the next couple of weeks. There's a stat come out today that 500 footballers are out of contract are going to be unemployed over the next couple of weeks. So what what is going to be an absolute scramble? The boys that will go on and do the best is the ones that are a wee bit more relaxed about it and realise that you could have something else to fall back on but and go and kick on. It's, it's all up here, as they say, it's in the head. Yeah, you do see that. And it is a worry with the COVID-19 situation that there will yep. maybe be more players released and these guys do have to go and go out into the big bad world and, and maybe some will get a reality check as well. And some that are coming to an end of their career, they'll be thinking, is it coaching? Is it the media? And you'll know the ones that have worked in the media before or I've seen a benefit with the media. And this goes back to an earlier point made about the ones that were maybe helpful in the past that could see the bigger picture going forward. You know, they're more likely to get a bit of help uh, from people like me because I got a bit of help when they were playing or they're more likely to, um, you know, because they articulated themselves well, they're more confident about going into punditry or even journalism, you know, some become, you know, writers and whatnot. Or, do, or radio. do you get a lot of ex-players messaging in, wanting to try to get into Sky Sports and, and get a job in the media? A lot of people well, message. I wouldn't say a lot of people messaging me in the sense of get me a job or can I get in, on Sky Sports, but messaging, looking for advice or saying, what do you think? You know, and it's funny, it's the guys that I grew up with in terms of similar age to me that are coming to the end of their career now. Some are managers that I got on well with as players that are now 
getting to the stage where they're either want to become managers or pundits. And they're, they're asking, and I did a kind of a seminar to some a couple of weeks ago, showing some examples, or a few weeks ago, a few months ago, rather, when uh, before the situation, uh, showing examples of maybe how they were interviewed as players and how they would they treat the same issues now as managers and whatnot. And it was interesting. It was really interesting. Who do you quite like as pundits on Sky Sports? And even BT, we need to talk about them as well. Just who do you quite enjoy? Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, do you enjoy their conversations? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. you know, Sky renewed them themselves a bit, you know, um, back in the day, getting the, the, the guys, the new, the players that had just retired, getting them fresh uh, out of the dressing room sort of thing. I think you can see how they've developed with the technology Definitely. and uh, what they do, but also given that sort of modern Premier League era um, type style, but I like the fact that sometimes Graham Sinus is in there with them as well because it, it gives that real, real, you know, proper old school football uh, with a modern twist, and, and Graham's very good with that. So <clears throat> that that I do like that. You know, I think um, different channels have different styles, and there's no point of all being the same. You know, yeah, I hear sometimes people say, "Oh, but VT do this and Sky don't do that," or vice versa. I, I know some football fans that just want to watch the game. They're not interested. Not everything that goes on around, you know, the game, uh, the interviews that I do, or any features or whatnot. They just want to watch the game. Or if they're in the pub, the sound's down. They just want to watch the game. That's fine. You know, and I think um, competition is good, though. You know, you sometimes look over, oh, what a BT done, who did they get? And they might do the same with us or whatnot, you know. And we get on well, well, like the guys, you know, I know Emma, the, the trackside reporter there, we sometimes swap notes, or oh, he was a bit difficult to watch him. Or, oh, I'm lucky getting a slap from so-and-so there. But, you know, we'll both do it to each other, you know. He was quite good, so maybe worth using him. You know, there's a camaraderie there. That I think people like to build up a narrative as if there's not, but... Um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously they're leaving Scottish football this year, but it's been good because I think, um, you know, there might be games on the television. There's no point in being the same at that point. You know, it's, it's a case of people have had variety, variety in match selections and um, different bits and pieces. So, you know, I, I think, you know, they, their coverage has been quite good. And, and I look at Sky and... Um, you know, I work with Andy Walker. He's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, but Andy always think is very rounded because he's been a presenter. He's been a player, obviously. He's been a co-commentator. He's been a pundit. He's also been a, a trackside reporter as both a, in radio and television. So uh, the only thing I think he's not been is a goalkeeper or a referee. Mm-hmm. So he has he has uh, got that experience. And, and Andy's the type of guy, Ian Crocker, who I get on well with, who was a reporter back in the day on Capital down in uh, London, um, and he used to be the Tannoy man at West Ham. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, that's his team, West Ham. Uh, you know, you can go to these guys and ask questions. I still ask questions, um, you know, despite the experience I've got now. And you know, all like those sort of guys because, you know, they are good at their job. I know fans won't agree and whatnot, but these guys are proper broadcasting professionals. Well, what about yourself online? Do you get much pelters on Twitter? I always <laughs> laugh. Certainly after a, a certain fixture um, in Scotland where it's a case of you must support this one or you must support that one. Sometimes you get both on the same day. So you're like, well, I must have got it right if both sides are giving me pelters, you know. I was um, having a look online because you type in Luke Shanley and that is one forum. I'm not even going to go into it, but they're like, who is this Luke Shanley? Who is, who is this support? Yeah. Where is they come from? Yeah, and I was yeah. on the other side telling them everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah, uh, You do get that, you know. I probably... 
I've not had it as bad as some get, but you know that that's fair enough. Um, yeah. I think uh, so. I can't complain too much, but you do get the odd one or two. I always, you know, social media that could be a whole different podcast. It's good to engage. You know, uh, people have got in touch with me today to ask to do podcasts or to do uh, things. You know, and that, that's great because you're able to engage. You're able to give up yeah. your time. And, and it's good. You wouldn't want that to stop, but you do get a lot of numpties as well. Oh, so you just I always think the best thing is to ignore it. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. But look, listen, mate, thank you very much for coming on today. It's massively appreciated. I'm sure some young athletes and people looking to get into the media can take some real nuggets of your experience there. And so I can only thank you very much for that. No problem. All the best. For everyone listening, thank you very much for your ears and attention. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review with your thoughts and your feedback as I'll go through it all and see where we can improve all these different aspects of it. For just now, it's goodbye. I'll see you all later and I'll keep you posted on the next episode that we'll be uploading this week.